This is MarTech Interviews, a podcast from DK New Media, publishers of MarTech, the leading publication for sales and marketing professionals to research, discover, and learn how technology is driving business results. Your hosts are Douglas Carr and Harrison Painter. Welcome, everybody, back to another episode of MarTech. We are uh, here at the offices at DK New Media at the Speakeasy in downtown Indianapolis. Beautiful downtown Indianapolis. Well, it's not beautiful today. It's snowing today. But uh, And we have with us on the line, friend of the show, veteran of the show, we have John Wubin on the line. Hi, John. Hey guys, how are you doing? Oh, and I forgot to I did I I forgot to introduce you. Yeah, I'm here. <laughs> and we have Harrison Painter of DK New Media sitting across from me. That's you you should have seen the puppy dog eyes that <laughs> I mean that really made me sad. It really did. And and John, you came back. I mean, I you came in, you yeah. got out, and now you came back. <laughs> I always come back for more. Always come back for more. Yep. John and I have had good times uh, out there in San Diego at Social Media Marketing World. Um, yep. You know, I wasn't going to kick off the show with this, but for people listening, John is both an, an, an accomplished singer that put out his own album. He's a hell of a karaoke guy. And <laughs> not not only that, but he brings the noise with some some fancy footwork when he gets on the karaoke floor. I'm impressed. Yeah. Yeah. So um, def- definitely when you go to a social media event with all marketers, you know, so basically all geeks, um, John definitely stands out as somebody who, one, can carry a note and has rhythm. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you, Doug. I appreciate that. Well, you got the. <laughs> you, try. De- you definitely get the party started. I really love every time I every time I'm with you. We have a good time. So thank thank you again yeah. for joining the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. So J- John is an accomplished author, marketing of marketing books. He's written two, right? Am I well? This is the third one, but you've written two. This is the third one. Yep. yep mm-hmm. This is the third one, and um and I love having you on the show because th- this one you took a different approach to writing a marketing book. And what I mean by that was the other ones were, were uh, prescription. They were really to help marketers with their content you know, challenges, uh, search engine optimization, content, um, you know, targeting, segmentation, you know, all of that good stuff. But this one, right. you took a left turn. You said, hey, what's going to happen in the future with our marketing, right? That's right. Yeah, this is a totally different book completely inspired by a, a different set of, of, uh, of experiences. Um, it's, a, it's a big thinking book. It's a big picture book. Um, it's something, quite honestly, that I was surprised to find out was never written before. No one's ever written a book on the future of marketing. Um, so I thought, well, maybe I'm the guy to do it. <laughs> well, you were the guy to do it because you did it. I did, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I love that. I mean, I, I think it, it is pretty, I mean, that's a tough thing to do because even if we look yep. back, you know, uh, three years ago, who would have seen, you know, half the, you know, I don't know when Snapchat started, five years ago? It's mm-hmm. only been about three or four years, I believe. Yeah, so we point. wouldn't even been aware of a tool like that, never mind try to create some kind of strategy around it. We were still chat rouletting mm-hmm. three years yeah, ago, chat, I think. Chat rouletting. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome <laughs> wow obscure i hope there's geeks listening that they got that obscure one um well well john um 
I, I'm going to start off one for everybody uh, that wants to check out uh, right now. One, you should pre-order the book. Uh, if you're listening to this podcast at, after it publishes, you definitely should go pick up a copy of it. Um, what What's your publish date on this? Uh, it's probably going to be February 15th. So just, uh, about a week from today. Fantastic. That's awesome. And of course you can go to futuremarketingbook.com, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. And, uh, John has a great website there that really lays out. He's got a video where he basically does an interview talking about the book, uh, why he did it, what motivated him, uh, things that he researched and studied. And then, uh, and then I thought, you, you know, you set us up perfect for an interview here because you actually have a list of questions on the site too um, that mm-hmm. I think are just perfect for this interview. So if you don't mind, we're gonna I'll take I'll let Harrison will start start them off and we'll we'll start grilling you. Well, I'm actually gonna cool. start it off with a question that's actually not on the list. Uh oh. Or maybe it is because okay. I didn't look at the very last question. No, it's not on here. So the name of the book is Future Marketing: Winning in the Prosumer Age. Can you kind of define what the prosumer age is, what that actually means? Yeah, so prosumer is uh, basically a mashup of producer and consumer. And the term was first coined by the futurist Alvin Toffler in his 1980 book, Future Shock. Um, actually, that was, it was in, Future Shock was a previous book because it was, it was coined in his book, The Third Wave. Um, he had a, a three or four books in the 70s and early 80s that uh, were futurist-oriented. And I picked up that book uh, at the age of nine uh, in the Carlsbad City Library, and I sat down on a beanbag in the children's section of the library and read the first three chapters uh, right there in the library. I was so enamored with this guy and, and what he was talking about in 1980, and he was basically predicting, uh, in large part, our world today in 2017. So fast forward, what, 37 years and quite honestly, this man uh, predicted a number of things that we'd be doing today. And so he coined prosumer back then. And lo and behold, look at what we're doing now on Amazon when we're doing reviews and we're telling them what we like and, and all the things we're doing for Amazon. We're helping them produce the Amazon, Amazon experience, right? Um, so we're producer and consumer there. On Facebook, who makes all that content on Facebook? We do. So we're producing it, and we're also consuming it. And you just go down the line, and in industry after industry, uh, the whole whole prosumer thing is really catching on, and there's more and more consumers that are becoming prosumers. Um, so I believe that we're on the, the precipice of, of a real uh, new age, the prosumer age is what I'm calling it, and uh, and I think it's going to last for a long time. That's incredible. I, we, you know, we, uh, we just looked at a, and I haven't written a post about it. It might be there by the time people listen to the podcast, but we were just looking at a, a new marketing tech application. Uh, they've been around for a while, but it's called Stackla. I'm not sure if you've heard of it. Um, no. And the fascinating thing that they've done is they've basically, they have an automatic feed of, you know, feedbook, uh, Facebook, <laughs> feedbook, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, you know, it basically, and they're grabbing all the visuals and then they do real time, uh, identification of objects within the imagery. So you could pick out, imagine Nike could basically look and get a stream of all of the pictures and photos that are coming with the Nike symbol on it. And, um, Mm -hmm. and the fascinating thing that they're finding, which, which just matches your, your book to the, to the T is that when they put up a, when their clients have a shopping page 
and then they show 10 images off of Instagram with, you know, let's say it's a dress and there's 10 women wearing it and they're wearing it with different shoes and different outfits and different occasions and different backdrops and they're real photos that the conversion rates go up like 30% for that item. Yeah. And, wow. That's and, cool. And it's, I, I guess it goes back to, you know, we, we trust each other, but we, we really don't trust brands, right? Not totally. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we, we, if we want to be part of the experience, right. We really want to be a part of it. And when we're a part of it, well, we're just, we're now helping them produce it. So we, we need a new term for ourselves. And the new term is prosumer. I love that. And now, now, and that guy wrote the book when? 1980. It's called the third wave. Oh my gosh. So he was, he was pre-internet. He didn't even know yes. that there was a publishing, you know, avalanche <laughs> yeah. coming. Yeah. It's just incredible. And, and obviously, you know, I say if these futurists are batting 300, then they're doing pretty good. Obviously they're not going to be able to predict everything, but yeah. you know, it's like baseball. If you're, if you're batting 300, you're doing great. And I think that's what we need to apply to these futurist uh, folks as well as if out of three out of ten of their predictions come true, then man, they're knocking it out of the park. That's true. I'm I'm still waiting for the vacuum tubes to bring me my meal like the Jetsons. <laughs> <laughs> Just press a button. There it is. <laughs> Just press a button. <laughs> well, uh, <laughs> let's let's go into some of these questions because I, I I really want to pick your brain and and uh and we want to make this you know a good concise uh, podcast. Um, how are cultural and technological shifts going to impact marketers and the marketing practice? Yeah, well, I have a chapter in the book um, on the megatrends, and uh, the megatrends are things like, you know, connectivity and convergence, um, you know, health and, and wellness, um, the sharing economy, uh, and those those types of things we all know uh, are happening all around us. We can see it. Um, so um, let's let's talk about connectivity and convergence. I mean, just with that one. Um, by 2020, we're going to have you know five billion people uh, on the internet. Five billion with a B. Uh, that's a lot of people, you know. Yeah. And, and we're going to have to make adjustments um, based on based on 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 all of those changes. Um, but um, but you just go down the list. I mean, there's so many um, trends that are happening um, all around us. Um, and you know, take the the health and, and fitness um, trend. You see folks using Fitbit. You see, um, you know, cold pressed juices becoming mainstream. Um, there's just so much going on there. Um, another one is, um, uh, you know, a zero emission world. You know, zero uh, zero defects. Uh, you know, trying to get uh, you know things as efficient as possible. The whole efficiency thing is is a mega trend. We're going to see things become extremely efficient across the board. I mean, that's what the Internet of Things is all about. If every product, every inanimate object has a sensor that's tied to the Internet, then we're going to have some serious uh, increases in efficiency across the board uh, over the next 15, 20 years. Um, so that is going to be a very serious change. It's going to impact the marketing practice. So, I mean, with that one right there, if we've got everything connected to the Internet, then we're going to get more data from all these different places and more actionable data to, to make marketing decisions upon. Uh, so there's just a long list of them, and, and I actually cover it in two different chapters. Um, there's there's a chapter on the megatrends, and then there's a chapter on the futurists and what they've been predicting for the marketing practice. Um, so probably a good 30 or 40 pages dedicated just to that question in the book. Wow. Wow. That's pretty heavy. So, so look, here's one of the big things right now, right, is there's so much noise out there, and attention spans seem to be getting 
smaller and smaller, right? We have 140 characters, 20 second videos, five second snaps. So where do you see the future of, of actually being able to grab that attention from these people? Is, is, is it gonna get shorter or are we actually gonna go back to people want a little more in depth uh, content coming at them? Yeah, that's an interesting one. So, so yeah, I mean, with with all the efficiency uh, increases and, and the attention spans, uh, you know, decreasing, um, I think you know there is one fact, right, and that is that human beings can only take so much at any given time, right? I mean, we're not machines. Um, human beings are changing, but you know, our biology remains pretty consistent, right? So, um, I, I think everyone has their limit. Um, you know, that's that's a good question. I I don't really know the answer to that one but i my 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 guess is that um it's probably going to be more about the quality of the interaction um i mean that's going to increase uh over the next 10 15 years um so that folks will be seeking out those quality um those quality interactions and and one uh, chapter in my book talks about experiences and how experiences are going to become the new thing that if you've got uh, just products that you sell or just services that you sell that's not going to be enough anymore you have to make your products into an experience or make your services into an experience because people will be buying experiences um, more often than not over the next, you know, five to 10 years. Um, so if that's the case, if we're, you know, um, doing this experience thing, then, you know, everything's got to get better. And the, and the quality of that experience is going to be um, going to be vastly more important than it is now. Um, so, so yeah, yeah not, I think the jury's out on your question, but I think um, you know once you, you read the book, you probably be able to come to some kind of conclusion on that one. Yeah, I, you know it's it's that's it's a good question, and I feel like I feel like while the number of mediums and the number of channels you know are growing exponentially, you know think about five billion people online and how much content is going to be produced, I, I think humans are still yearning for quality, right? They're still yearning. Right. And I love what you're saying there because if you add the experience, you know, with that, you've got them, you, you know, if, if you're changing, if you're literally changing their emotion and their motivation and their memory and, you know, all of those pieces associated with interacting with a brand, there, there's no way you can lose. That's right. That's right. It's a stickier thing, right? Yeah. Um, I mean, if you think about the experiences that we engage in in life, they're usually with our family and friends. And those experiences with our family and friends are, are really important and really valued. And if you think about, um, you know, what you look forward to in life, um, do people look more forward to a product that they're getting in the mail from Amazon or an experience that's going to happen in a few weeks? Yeah. Nine times out of ten, people look forward to the experience a whole lot more than the product. Um, and that, that says a lot. I, I, I love that. I, I read a similar thing on, uh, there was a similar article, I think it was Harvard Business Review on happiness and, and they, where they split up and they gave some people money and told them, you know, that they could go do whatever they wanted with it. And then they gave other people money and told them they had to go do experiences. So once mm-hmm. I did things like trips with their family, uh, help the poor, you know, things like that, the other side bought stuff. And, right. and so they went back six months later and they figured out that the people that had experiences were much happier because those experiences right. were frozen in their mind. You know, whereas the people that had stuff, the stuff was already outdated. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, and you, if you think about, 
in our industry, like the conferences that we go to and that, uh, you know, social media marketing world a couple of years ago uh, when I met your mom, Doug, yeah. I still remember that. that. That night stands out, and it's because it was an experience. And, and you could go across the line to, you know, uh, South by Southwest or Content Marketing World or you know, Inbound, and there's so many conference experiences, experiences I've had over the last eight, nine years that I, I hold near and dear to my heart because I had such an incredible time at those places. And, and I couldn't buy that, right? Yeah. There's no money that could buy that experience. I, I had to be there. I had to be in it. And so in the future, we're going to be marketing experiences. How do you do that um, when you're a, a company that's been marketing products and services for the last 20 or 30 years? It's a very different thing, but I talk about it in the book. Awesome. And, and, and one of the things that you touch on is the transition from, you know, brand messages to these, and, and you call it multi-sensory experiences. Can you kind of give an example of that or, or talk about what that's going to, what, what that looks like? Yeah. So if we're engaging in these experiences, the more uh, senses that we can connect with, with that individual, the better. Um, I always use the, or in the book, I, one of the examples I use is the Rainforest Cafe, um, if you've ever eaten in this place, uh, you know, it's, it's a chain restaurant, um, and it's a theme restaurant. You walk in there, and it's like a, you walk into a jungle. And so the, the site, uh, it looks like a jungle in the restaurant. The chocolate um, you volcano. You can hear, uh, you know, little birds uh, and, you know, cocktails and parrots uh, making sounds. So that's you're, they're appealing to your hearing sense there. Um, and then you can you can feel like the mist coming down from the roof, from the, the foliage of the trees. So you're feeling the mist. Um, and then they also emit smells, uh, you know, obviously the food smell, but then there's the smells of the forest. And so they're appealing to all five senses in a restaurant and they're very successful and they've been successful for a long time. So that's a good example of a multi-sensory experience in a dining establishment. That same idea needs to be applied to a lot of different companies, a lot of different industries. Yeah. And, and I guess we're seeing somewhat, you know, it's, it's funny. I think we're, without even noticing it, you know, now that I'm listening to you, some of it's evolving now. Like if, if you walk into Best Buy now, it's not the um, stock stock shelving all the way to the ceiling anymore. It's now, right. you know, it's now all these stations where you can experience the sound and play with the tools and interact with them and everything else. And so, yep. you know, and I think yep. Apple was obviously an early leader at that too, was, you know, they didn't, they didn't put anything on a shelf. You know, you just went in and played with everything and then and then they brought it out to you. And that, that way they they could set that experience for you. Um, yeah, that's that's wild. Um, and a couple other a couple other ones real quick is the Bass Pro Shops. Um, Bass Pro Shops is set up like that. When you go in there it's like you know, it's like a carnival or it's like a, an amusement park. It's just this massive place with all these cool displays and you can interact with things. Um, REI, the uh, recreational equipment uh, company. Um, I don't know if that's a national chain, but yeah. you can you know climb you know rock walls in there. You can test uh, you can uh, test uh, road bikes. Um, you can get your um, you know your your uh, all kinds of exercise equipment. You can test in the in the retail store. This, there's a lot of companies that are now getting this whole experience thing. And like you said, yeah, Best Buy. And there's a number of others that are that are catching on to it. Yeah. Now, if we could just get customer service to catch up, right? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, right. <laughs> um. <laughs> well, but to be fair, I think some companies are doing that, right? Yes. When, when when you look at companies, people will say fast food, right? Lowest common denominator. But yet Chick-fil-A does an amazing job, right? right? When you go in there, everybody is nice. Everybody's kind. You know what you're getting, right? Starbucks used to be like that. I, I, I think they've 
they've come down a little bit from yeah. what they used to be, but mm-hmm. I think we are seeing Southwest. That's another big brand that, that amazing customer service yes. start to finish, right? Yes. Right. Well, it's and it's not even limited to B two C. You know, I think you know B two C. We we touch on a lot, but you know, we've even talked about it from a B two B standpoint. You know, a lot of the conversations sure. that that Harrison and I are having around the agency is, you know, how do we interact with our clients in such a way that it's outside of the realm of the execution that we're doing. It's outside of the realm of just you know putting this there and so we're talking about you know things like events things like you know taking them to a ballpark things like you know mm-hmm. any anything again you know to change that you know because if, if you're you know if you're walmart right you're just lowest price and if you're a walmart of agencies it's a battle to the bottom but if you can really right. enhance enhance you know educate your clients you know um give them something to look forward to surprise them once in a while. You know, that's exactly what you're talking here is, is, is providing that experience. Yeah, exactly. And then teaching them how they can, uh, create experiences for their clients and, and, or create, um, you know, uh, you know, some type of event or some kind of experience around their products and services based on what you're doing for them. That's a uh, so it goes, it goes round and round. That's a, that's solid advice for us, right? We, <laughs> Absolutely. We need to look at that. <laughs> now, this is an interesting question. Why platforms will supplant brands for building an audience? Yeah. So all you got to do is look at salesforce.com, right? This is the fastest growing company to a billion dollars in revenue ever in the history of business. I think it took them five years, maybe four years, to get to a billion in revenue. Um, and they are and were uh, a platform, uh, and they've done it very, very well. Um, so the word brand, very powerful word, right? It's been around for a long time. It's magical. Um, brand, branding, you know, it's brandable, got good brand equity. Um, and, you know, it's a little tired. And, I mean, the brands will always be around, but... I think companies need to stop thinking uh, so much in terms of brand and what's our brand and just create some type of platform from through their services or through their products uh, because platforms are, are, you know, that's what Apple did, right? With iTunes, they created a platform around that. Um, that's what they did with iCloud, right? And Apple used to be just a product company. So that, that they kind of laid the groundwork and many other companies followed suit. Um, but, um, but that's the idea is, um, Start thinking in terms of platforms. Um, if you're kind of an old school, more traditional type company, um, how can you platform your your products? How can you platform your services? Um, because the platform is it's going to be here for a long time, and it's it's been very successful for a lot of companies, and it's very sticky, right? Once you get on that platform and you start interacting, I mean, look at all the folks using WordPress as their CMS, and they're not going anywhere, right? I mean, they there's a million plugins, and it's very easy to use, and it's what 25% of all sites across the world use WordPress. So that's the platform experience right there is people don't leave, right? They, they, they come in and they like it and they stay and they find reasons to stay. Um, so that's the idea is how can you as a company in 2017 find a way to kind of platform your products and services to create that, uh, you know, that type of experience that your customers are looking for that, uh, that, that really builds relationship and builds more uh, back and forth uh, between you, the company, and then the customer and, and creates a stickier experience for, for them. And it's almost mandatory now, right? Almost every company has to basically become a tech company in some way, shape, or form, right? 
Yeah, in, in many ways, that's what I'm saying here. Um, I think it needs to be um, sincere and it has to be uh, thought out. It can't just you can't just create a platform just to create a platform, but you got to find a way to do it intelligently that that uh, you know is a seamless um, you know transition from your current operation or your current uh, product suite. Uh, but I think there's a way to do it for most companies. Um, they just need to think through it, um, you know, and, and do it in a way that, that is conducive um, to their customers and what their customers expect from them. Yeah, I, I, I mean, empowering, you know, just empowering your users to make the difference. I'm thinking, you know, in the, in the in, we're going to have someone on this uh, show soon, a, a guy, Jonathan Arnold, great guy, and he's totally into, you know, virtual reality. And I think about that, like, with, you know, he's he's been talking to me about you don't you don't realize how big this is going to be augmented reality, mixed reality, but right. uh, you know, bringing it into context with this, I sit here and I think about you know if you're a, a furniture place, right? That there's a platform basically where you can have your home plan, you know, or maybe you take a bunch of pictures of your living room and upload it to their server. They stitch it together. Right give you a VR experience where you change the furniture, you move things around, you, you know, and, and basically you're empowering the consumer, you know, to go, yep. go do all of that. There it is yeah. right there. That's a perfect example. Yeah. Wow. That's, uh, and, and you're right, Harrison, that is crazy. You know, that uh, someone selling furniture is going to have to get into the, yeah, I mean, <laughs> businesses you never dreamed of, yeah. right. That, that are going to be in this tech space now and have to create these things that, uh, yeah, we're trying to sell a, a sofa, right? But yet we have to be kind of a VR tech. I was I was sort, telling right? somebody that uh, Schlage is here in town, and one of the interesting things that they do is, uh, if you're an architecture firm, you can upload your CAD stuff to their servers, and then they'll mm -hmm. they'll place all of the right equipment in for all the door locks, you know, door jams, you know, all of that stuff, and um, and they do it for free. Because they know if it's a six-story building, you know, it's well worth, yeah. you know, well worth, you know, the price. And and all they're doing is they're taking a ton of work off the architects. They're improving the accuracy for their clients. They're, you know, everything is kind of just seamless. And, it, you know, so I, maybe that's off the topic. But I, I think it's a good example of a company that's thinking outside of product packaging, you know, to, to, to bring something to market. Yeah, and that's one of the big uh, emphasis in the book is I really want companies to start being more forward-thinking in everything, their operations and their marketing and in their consumer, their customer interactions. There's so few companies that really practice that. And we're not just talking about being innovative, but but really kind of looking outside themselves and and saying, hey, what, what are we going to be like in 2030 or 2028? What, what, what do we want to be selling? Um, what do we want to be doing? Um, I, I don't think many companies really think that far out. Um, and so this book, I really want them, them to use this book as sort of a guide um, to, to kind of, you know, get there and have that conversation with their, with their team and, and start thinking about this stuff uh, in, a, in a big way. Well, and, the, and the, the, you know, the message to them as well is in 15 years, the barrier to entry will be so low, right? You know, we have, you know, artificial intelligence. We have, you know, all these development platforms and all of these tools that will make tools, you know, so... You know, you know, you think about, you know, even a, a, an interactive database driven website 20 years ago was hundreds of thousands of dollars, you know, right now it's free. 
<laughs> you know? Yeah. And so, and so I think it is important for businesses to businesses not to get under this, um, you know, thinking that, you know, well, there's no way that we could create a 3d virtual reality tool set, you know, in the next 15 years. No, there's absolutely going to be a ton of different options for you to do that. Start thinking about it now, like you said, you know, so that, so that as those tools, you know, come into affordability and, and opportunity, you can take advantage of it. That's right. That's right, Doug. And the other thing too, that you see a lot of people doing, not only companies, but individuals doing is when you, they think about the future, they think about what's coming. There's always this, this dread or this fear of the unknown. That's like, Oh, well, they always find a reason why it's not going to work or it's right. not going to happen or you know, things are going to get more expensive and there's going to be global warming and there's going to be all this. There's just this like this mindset about the future that's very um, unsettling yeah. for me. I've always been an optimist and very positive person. And what I found is in these futurists, Alvin Toffler and, and these guys that I, I, I interviewed and, and are in the book, um, you know, they're very positive. They, they talk about what, what could be. Um, and through that, I think there's a lot of opportunity for us to look at, at new ways of doing business, interacting with our customers, but we have to take it from a positive point of view and 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 say, hey, what if? You know, what what if this is an opportunity? Um, yeah, there's going to be some challenges. It's a little scary. We don't know what's going to happen, but I don't think you need, you can lead with that. You have to kind of resist that because it's very easy to go down that path. You know, and I think it's sort of maybe the human default to go down that that path, but. Um, but I hope that after people read this book, that they'll maybe look at the future and the future marketing a little bit differently. I love it. I one of the ones that I I really don't like is the jobless future. You know, machines right, machines right. are going to do everything. Yeah. But what people don't take into consideration is that when machines are doing everything, the costs of everything plummet. You know, and that's right. And now all of a sudden, goods that you know, you couldn't afford before are now available to you for pennies a day, you know, and, mm -hmm. and I, you know, we've gone through this, the industrial revolution, you know, not, not at the accelerated pace that we're doing now, but we have gone through this over time. And every single time that there's an evolution like this and a revolution like this, it's things plummet in price as technology right. increases, which makes it more affordable, which I, I think, I think some of the stats like on world hunger, you know, world hunger is, is plummeting. Poverty is not increasing. It's decreasing. That's right. You know, and, right. and so it's not as if the world is getting worse, you know, things are getting better through technology. Absolutely. Yep. And, uh, you know, we're really entering sort of a new phase, um, for, for capitalism, uh, itself. And, um, you know, with the sharing economy and, and the way things, the way technology has impacted the marketing profession and the economy as a whole, um, we really sort of enter a, a post-capitalist age. And that's that's a, another chapter in the book that talk about what post-capitalism is and how it affects the marketing practice. And it's not a substitute for capitalism. It's just the next step in what we're doing. And, and the sharing economy um, was sort of a lead into that. Um, but um, very, very interesting uh, thing, how things are morphing and changing. And, and in large part, my, my hypothesis is that it's changing for the good, um, like you said. I mean, yeah, there's going to be some challenges, of course, but um, we have to you know, find, find the good and, and you know, run with it. So do you think the sharing economy is here to stay? I do. I do because um, it's, it's empowering to people. It, it reduces costs. 
it, um, it, it, you know, engaged, it enables technology, um, easier use of technology. Um, it's, it's, I don't see a whole lot of bad in it myself. I don't see, um, you know, what, what the problem is. I mean, yeah, the, if you take Uber, they, they rewrote the rules of the taxi industry, but you know, that should have, that, that should have been done 30 or 40 or 50 years ago, right? right. Or it should have been done. They, they were living on borrowed time because, <laughs> That a better mousetrap was built, and you know what? That's okay. Um, we we need better mousetraps. Yeah, so, we, um, we so yeah st- I think the sharing economy is a good thing, and it'll be here for a long time. And we have to stop protectionism, right? We have to don't slow the speed of technology; enable it. Well, we have we have an issue here in our local area happening right now, where there's there's a city that's really trying to block Airbnb from yeah. some zoning issues and whatnot, and you know it it feels very dated that they're doing that, right? I mean, it's progress. Let's not stop well, that progress. And it's protectionism by hotels and conferences and everything else. And it's, it's. I understand that they've made a massive investment, you know, in what they're doing, but the world's changing. And, and we, you know, we don't sit here and um, ride horses anymore. We didn't try to save the blacksmith's job. <laughs> yeah, and what, what those hotels need to do and what those taxi companies need to do is they need to find a way to, to compete more effectively. Yeah. The onus is on them to change their businesses, not to resist what's what's um, more efficient and better for for customers and for consumers. So that's that's on them to um, you know find a way to compete more effectively or get out of the business or change their business so that they can do something where they're making some money. But um, but yeah, I mean <laughs> that's that's progress, right? And then we're not things aren't going to go backwards; they're going forwards. Well, and, and I think you know your advice earlier is what they need to listen to, right? make it an experience. I want my folded right. swan towel back <laughs> yeah. and my mint. Right? But, but honestly, like if I, if I'm going into Airbnb, you know, sure, I'm going to get a nice place and maybe it's, you know, maybe it's a beautiful place. But the fact is that if I always go into the W hotel, right. And I always have the peanut gourmet peanut brittle or whatever. And I always love their breakfast. And I always, you know, if that experience is, is there, I'm not going to pick Airbnb. I'm going to pick the experience right. instead. So, yeah, great advice. Well, I can't wait to dig into this book, John. <laughs> it's uh, it's definitely my best work by far. And I, I got to tell you, I was pretty inspired when I when I was writing this thing. And um, you know, I did a ton of research. Obviously, about six months of research, and read over thirty books and over two hundred and fifty articles. And wow! This is the result of a lot of a lot of blood, sweat, and tears. And uh, I'm pretty proud of it, quite honestly. Um, I think it, it turned out really well, and it'll it'll do good, I think. That's and I respect country. people that look at the future, right? I mean, when you think about it, the iPhone is now only 10 years old, yeah. right? So to even look three years in the future, five years in the future seems ridiculous, right? Where are we going? What are we doing? Yeah. Um, you know, I would like to get more of your thoughts, though, from some of these futurists that, that you interviewed on some of those predictions for the next 15 years. You know, is, is there one that really stood out to you maybe more than, than the others or something that was shocking to you that you really didn't expect to hear? Yeah, so Ray Kurzweil, I'm not sure if you've heard the name Ray Kurzweil, but uh, he's a well-known futurist. Um, he says that by 2025, uh, these 3D printers will be printing clothing, okay, at very low cost. So uh, we won't even have to go out to, you know, to buy our own clothes. We can print them right in our own homes. Um, he says 3D printers are going to print human organs, okay, using modified stem cells with the patient's own DNA. Um, okay, that's that's quite a change. Uh, 
3D printers will print inexpensive modules to snap together in a house or an office building, Lego style. Okay, so just that alone, the whole 3D printing thing is, is going to be a huge change. And again, this is something that Alvin Toffler in his book, The Third Wave in 1980, talked about. Wow. He talked about a 3D, 3D printing technology 37 years ago, and here we are with 3D printers. So <laughs> that's, that, that's, one, that's one right there. That's incredible. Well, I can make one yeah. future prediction 100%. I'll oh, guarantee no. it right now that this comes true. Uh -oh. When we get off this podcast, <laughs> I'm pre-ordering future marketing, <laughs> winning in the prosumer age, right? And I'm buying third wave. There you go. That's a prediction yeah. I can buy into. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We will definitely pre-order it. And then, uh, and of course, we got to get together so that we can get you to autograph it for us. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. What uh, are you, when's your next uh, event? Or you got something on the calendar? Uh, it, look, uh, it looks like maybe South by. So um, okay, yeah. So so maybe I've I've never been before. So this this might be the year. Yeah, well, I'll probably see you there then. Oh, fantastic! So so let's uh, let's shift gears and and as a you know, of course, we're a publication service and and. Uh, you know, we have the blog and, and, and our community and everything else. And, and we're on this, you know, kind of world tour of trying to change the experience of our readers and our followers. We're, you know, we're trying to convert our audience into, into a community that's helping one another. We're trying to take and build some events here regionally and then hopefully, you know, nationally. Um, but we have an agency side to the business, you know, and so I'd love mm -hmm. to get your thoughts as, you know, what, where is the agency of the future, you know, because I think, you know, nowadays I look at agencies and it's pretty interesting that there's some high end agencies that, you know, are just powerful. They have all the resources, uh, all the resources internal to execute and, and do a fantastic job. Um, but it seems like more and more, marketing is kind of going by the way of, of manufacturing where agencies have these incredible designers and these brilliant people, but then they're getting the resources and the pieces elsewhere, you know, and putting them together in the strategies. And, um, and I just like your, you know, what, what does the agency of the future look like? Yeah, well that, that is a tough one. Um, but I do have a chapter in the book that addresses it. Um, the, the chapter is called the future digital marketing agency. So, what I talk about there is some trends that are going to shape the, the future of agencies. Um, number one, there's going to be more competition from media companies. We're already seeing that. Yep. You know, um, you know Facebook's Creative Shop and Google's Creative Lab and YouTube Studio. Um, you know, New York Times, Wall Street Journal, BuzzFeed, iHeartMedia, right? Uh, they've all hopped on the content creation train. Yep. Um, so, so definitely that that's a thing. Um, uh, technology will continue to dis disintermediate, right? Um, uh, and I talk about that extensively. Um, uh, ideas come from everywhere, right? It's not just um, it's not just the agency. They have to open up the kimono a little bit um, and and realize that you know good good ideas can come from anyone. Um, there there's a guy named Whit Heiler um, who was a complete amateur a few years ago who was really interested in in uh, making ads um, and he put his resume in with a bunch of ad agencies all over the country and he didn't get any calls, uh, didn't get, he got a couple interviews, but he didn't get any callbacks and he ended up, uh, you know, just doing his own thing. So, um, what, what happened with this guy, Whit Heiler is, is he ended up coming up with all kinds of, of incredible, uh, and ridiculously successful campaigns over the last few years 
um, including um, the Beardvertising, uh, the world's longest hashtag that was created to promote A&W's new chicken sandwich, yeah. um, Applebee's Girls' Night Out. He created that. And this was just some random guy who <laughs> uh, was creative and, you know, wanted to be part of the agency world, uh, but he couldn't get in. I love uh, it. So he just started He started doing his own thing, and he was the architect of three or four really successful uh, marketing campaigns for some big brands. Uh, so that's that's an example. Um, another trend I talk about are that people, really people are the new media channels, and that's what I talk about with the prosumer, that, you know, instead of looking for, you know, trying to buy a bunch of ad space, why don't we use our prosumer customers as the channels? Yeah. Uh, more. I mean, obviously we're doing some of that now, but we need to think in bigger terms uh, with that one. So that, that's just a few, but um, I think with the agency thing that that one was a little less clear as to where it's going. Um, but I think, you know, there's, there's hints along the way yeah. um, uh, with the technology changes and things, but, um, but agencies are real tough. So those are just a few thoughts on, on, on what I think. Well, and, and I, I think uh, you're onto something, you know, because you talked about the platform, you know, earlier, and, and that's, I think, agencies are going to have to have this, you know, platform in place that enables companies to move forward. And if they don't, you know, mm -hmm. they're they're going to fall by the wayside. Wow. That's, we get a lot to digest and think about after this podcast. <laughs> yeah, I'm giving you a lot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you sure are. So once once again, the, uh, the book is at uh, futuremarketingbook.com. And uh, it is releasing on February, did you say 14th? Uh, 15th. 15th. Yeah. So February 15th. So uh, you can pre-order it right now, correct? Yep. So get out there and pre-order it right now. Um, John, I, I can't thank you enough. I, I, I always enjoy our time together. And um, you've been a friend for a long time and, and really respect the work that you're doing here. Um, and, and I can't wait to sing some karaoke and drink some beer with you. <laughs> that sounds great, Doug. I look forward to that as well. And thanks for the interest in my book and I appreciate the time, Jay. Yeah. Yeah, I think this book's going to do – look, I'll make another prediction uh -oh. right here, right now. This book's going to okay. do very, very well. Yeah, I think so too. I absolutely. Thank I, you. I, I hope it does. Yeah, I, absolutely. Thanks, John. All right, guys. Take care. Thanks, John. The MarTech Interviews podcast is recorded at DK New Media's state-of-the-art podcast studio at the Speakeasy in downtown Indianapolis. Subscribe at martech.zone. Sponsorships and marketing services are available through dknewmedia.com.